Welcome to Teaching in 10, a podcast from the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning at the University of Northern Iowa. Teaching in 10 provides a space for higher education faculty to share teaching strategies and stories about how we engage students and support student success and well-being in 10-minute episodes. I'm Dr. Sarah Montgomery, and today I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Fernando Calderon to the podcast. Fernando is Associate Professor of History and Graduate Coordinator in the Department of History in the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences. He teaches courses in the Cold War, Latin America, Comparative Revolutions, and Fascism and Anti-Fascism. He specializes in student politics in the 1970s working class culture and political violence in Mexico. An interesting fact is that Fernando had family participate in the Mexican Revolution, and he likes to make it clear to his students that the Mexican Revolution was the first social revolution of the 20th century. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really honored to learn from you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And so, Fernando, the big question is, how do you engage students and support their success in your teaching? Well, um, I think any any academic or any professor will, would would say that there isn't um, a, a rubric, an all universal rubric that we can follow because we have students that come from, you have students that come from different backgrounds, different yeah. um experiences um and so you you just kind of have to go with the flow i know that sounds kind of very vague but um i find that you know really it's not until i the first exam or the first paper where i really can tell which are the students that are going to need maybe a little bit more hands-on kind of um uh teaching and so so the way that i the, the way that i I guess um try to give our students or 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 uh uh try to um um get our students to excel is that uh, in my class in particular so history is very content based but it's also um you exercise your critical thinking skills oh my a gosh, lot yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> enormously and you read a lot and you analyze and so two important things that are a major component of my classes are discussions and and reading both primary and secondary sources. Right. So I I am someone that really believes that uh writing is is essential, right? Um you're going to use it um you know in, for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. So there's no need to explain why that's going to matter later mm-hmm. on to to mm-hmm. students. But at the same time, um you know, I I see my students as kind of up and coming public intellectuals, oh. potentially, mm-hmm. you know, who can weaponize history yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, really push back against a lot of the hurtful revisionism that is, you know, that takes place all the time. And, um, you know, I'm not going to focus, say that it just happened. It was just in the last six years or so, but it's always been a, a, yeah. a problem, right, where history is being manipulated and um and used in in very bad ways to for lack mm-hmm. of a better term yeah. um so uh uh so a lot of critical thinking in my cl- in my classes um and a lot of debates um and and discussion and and writing i do discussions because um a lot of students are a bit more uh uh comfortable articulating their thoughts in in um you know vocally right yeah uh and this is what I found that, you know, in my experience teaching in the last 10 years is that um, you do have students that are a bit more comfortable vocalizing their their thoughts. 
And then you have students that are better at at writing them mm-hmm. down, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it gives the opportunity for students to exercise both of those qualities yep. that they have, right? Um, and um, and uh, and I and I can so that when I do get their papers and I notice that you know this student participated in the discussions and had really good things to say mm-hmm. and really pushed other students as well to kind of you know. Um, expand the conversations. I I actually take that into consideration when I'm reading their paper in case their paper is maybe not up to par. Mm -hmm. um, I I do, you know, when I end up, you know, coming up with their grade, I decide, well, they did really go into discussion, you know, and then I don't leave it at that. I actually contact the student and say, okay, these were your, besides writing, you know, scribbling uh, a whole bunch of things on their papers, I always... Um, um, invite them to to come talk to me, you know, oh, and see what we can do to rectify some of the issues, mm-hmm. the writing issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody's a born writer, okay? Um, uh, you know, I I don't I don't really believe that it's a, it's a process. Writing is a process, yeah. and um, you know, I even t- today, you know, I have we have PhDs, we we write all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but when I submit papers or articles for publication, I mean, they really tear into you, you know. And so it makes you it's part of the journey, exactly. So it makes you even question your own, you know, um, your own, your own. Uh, uh, people say it's a kind of an ego buster, right? But I, I think it's it's part of the process, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know why um, students shouldn't be treated that way mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, nobody's going to become. Um, it's difficult for students to to really find their voice in writing because they're taking classes in a whole bunch of disciplines, and those disciplines have different writing styles, right? True. So I I tell my students that if you're if you take a history class, um, when you're further into your major, let's say uh, you're a biology major, it's harder for you to step back and write like a historian, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to a freshman who's coming in. Um, has yet to really um, sink their teeth into their their major. Okay. Um, they're a bit more um, flexible, so yeah. to speak, malleable. Yeah. I think that's the word. Um, and you can help them along. You know, try to find their voice. But ultimately, they they do. But so writing is is a a, a way that I uh, that I really try to make it as best of a teaching moment as possible right absolutely um because um it's just so important right and with i think like the neoliberalization of the university yep. the attack on um content and the humanities mm. um that's i think that's i don't, I don't want to be too pessimistic but i think that those qualities that students really need like critical thinking and writing and tearing apart you know articles uh intellectually right? yes yes uh, uh that's going to be difficult for them to really grasp if we um continue kind of this this passive uh aggressive assault on on the humanities where those skills are essential right mm-hmm. and not to say of course that you don't have you don't develop critical thinking skills in the sciences or in, in business or anything like yeah. that. There's analysis everywhere. Yeah. But because history is weaponized by a lot of people mm-hmm. in very, um, you know, hostile ways, mm-hmm. um, I think that it would 
we're doing a disservice to our students, not giving them those skills to be like, wait a minute, yeah. you know, how do you argue against someone that has these ideas? Um, how do you do it without, um, how do you do it so that there is a conversation and yes. it's not a hostile kind yes. of um, um, encounter? You mm-hmm. know? Tying it to sources, tying it to evidence. So have you found any particular approaches that have really supported or encouraged students as writers and critical thinkers? I mean, the topics that you're teaching about are big mm-hmm. and they relate so well, for better or worse, to mm-hmm. things happening today in our country and around the world. I mean, are they naturally motivated to write about these things or are there ways that you're able to 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 make the conversation more accessible? I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. yeah. I'm thinking through my lens of of teaching writing to um, future educators. And I'm just wondering how you do it yeah. in your field. Um, you know, again, uh, not to be a broken record, but it's um, it's difficult to get students motivated, right? Um, yeah. And I don't say that because students are unmotivated yeah. uh, or, or lazy or anything no. like that, you know? Um, it's just that the, 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 the university, higher education, the demands have changed so significantly since you and I were in yep, college, yep. you know? And and I, I don't mean that necessarily uh, intellectually it's gotten harder. It's things that are outside of the student's control, mm-hmm. right? That That is really taking a toll on, it's uh, taking a toll on, on themselves physically, but mm-hmm. also it's reflected in their performances oftentimes in, in the classroom. Wow. Um, a, a, an example, um, I mean, when I was in co- in college, I worked, you know, because I just wanted to, you know. Yeah. Um, but now I have students working 30, 40 hours a week. That's right. right? And they're exhausted. Yep. They're, um, they, they develop mental health um, uh, issues. Yep. Um, and, you know, when you're in a university setting, your mind is, that's all you, yeah, you exercise that yep. on a continual basis, mm-hmm. right? the focus and all that sorts of stuff. And so I can't um, blame my students for being tired and being, and asking for a, an extension or, um, um, you know, just not being motivated. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that um, uh, of course, you know, you could, (laughs) obviously we've been in this for a long time. You could tell those who, who really are, you know, trying, but, they just have all these other things going on. Um, so I try to be as flexible as possible, mm-hmm. right? And within a reasonable, um, r- within reason, right? Yep. Because um, I, I, I'm so removed from that, the experience that these students are having now. That's true. That I can't imagine how I would have, you know, navigated college that way. And mm. um, And I studied really hard. I mean, I read and... I read a lot of theory. It's when I became very political. And uh, but, you know, uh, how to how to help students, you know, through that. um, It's oftentimes not necessarily academic, you Mm. know. And so I think that um, just. Being and and this is going to sound maybe a bit, you know, cheesy, but maybe being a little bit more human. Yeah. Right. Like understanding, you know, that students are experiencing college even five, ten years ago, right, was was night and day to what students are going through right now. And especially students at UNI, I think, yep. who come from their first generation mm-hmm. 
working class families, mm-hmm. you know, um, who have a lot of pressure on them mm-hmm. because statistically they are um, supposed to be give continuation and feed into uh, the 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 vocations that you know don't require uh, an education, perhaps you know, mm-hmm. and so. Um, and so they're trying to break that that yeah. cycle, you know, yeah. uh, while at the same time remaining um, committed to their working class values. Yeah. Yeah. That tension. I don't know if that makes sense or. Yeah. No. And I just mm-hmm. appreciate the part, the reminder about humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. And honoring that, because so often when it comes to teaching writing or evaluating writing or critical thinking, it's it's often about the content or mm-hmm. the outcome mm-hmm. when in reality, it's like, take a step back. Where, mm-hmm. where are we at? <laughs> yeah. What's going on for mm-hmm. that student? What do they need? Mm-hmm. And, and that reminder of it might not be the nuts and bolts of writing. Exactly. You know, and uh, I, I have a lot of colleagues, not only at UNI, but mm-hmm. elsewhere who uh, do give students an option, for instance, to rewrite their essay. For sure. Uh, revise it, not rewrite it yeah. necessarily. Revise it. Yeah. And I used that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I found, um, and again, this might be just my experience, I found that students take advantage of it, but very mm. little changes. Oh. And then the reason is not because, again, because they're not taking it seriously. Um, I whole, you know, wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah. But also because... They have obviously other classes. I'd like to, you know, I like to think that they have other classes, you know. We got to remember that sometimes. Right, I know, yeah. But they're also working 30 hours a week, yeah. you know, and... Um, Their responsibilities uh, didn't change with right, the Right, exactly, yeah. And so sometimes even re- requiring or recommending or giving them the option of revising is just an added stress mm-hmm. rather than an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, to... To maybe do better, mm-hmm. um, because I ask my students to when when I did that um, to turn in the original and the, yeah. the the new one, and I would very quickly compare them, and very little changed. Huh. The grade went up maybe a little bit, but the time that they you know spent on it was was I, I, not to be blunt, but maybe wasted. You know, Shoot. Um, and so what I do then is it's better just to have a conversation with them, bring okay. them into office hours, okay. talk through the issues. And you find that they, they really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think, <laughs> I think a lot of our students don't know what we actually do. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we do teach, they only see us teaching, yep. right. They only see us maybe during office hours, but I'm, when my door is closed, I'm deep in research and yeah. writing and reading theory and, keeping up with mm-hmm. the news as well mm-hmm. right and so so they they are very appreciative uh that we take time for for that i think that's the human piece too right Absolutely. that they get to know what are you doing what's mm-hmm. you know or even to be in your space or mm-hmm. to connect with you in that way it makes mm-hmm. a huge difference and shows that yeah. you care and i think it's inspiring you know because they'll they'll i've had you know some success in in converting um not taking people out of their original major, but maybe yeah, double majoring, you for know, sure. and, um, uh, I had a student who was not in any way, never thought that they could go on to a PhD and they did, you know, <sighs> I mean, um, and, uh, uh, I think that those, 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 uh, success stories, I guess yes. is, um, easily, easily, um, are much better 
uh, and more gratifying <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, than any, any publication to me. You oh know? my gosh. Yeah. We're going to wrap up with that because it's just like <laughs> in my heart. Wow. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing here. I appreciate and it. Thank it you for the work that you do. Oh, my gosh. I'm grateful to be connected with you now more officially. So <laughs> thank you, Fernando, for sharing your ideas with us. So listeners, please subscribe and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to tell your colleagues about the podcast. And until next time, thank you for joining us on Teaching in 10 from the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning at the University of Northern Iowa.